Holla, holla, holla. How you living? How you doing? It is the L-E-F-K-O-E man. Welcome into another episode of the Left Coast Show. Uh, it's going to be quite quick. I'm hoping that it's filled with hope. I'm hoping that it gives you guys some strength. I'm hoping that it can bring us together, but it also has a lot of honest talk. All last week I was off, and I hope you guys, amidst all the, the craziness, were able to find some moments of joy. Um, I had a hard time. I know that a lot of you guys saw a video that I put out um, where I talked a lot about my stance about inaction and action, especially with white people right now after the, the death of George Floyd. Um, but I really want to talk to you guys for a few reasons by myself. Number one, I think that there are a lot of examples out there of really strong black voices sharing stories that are hitting us in emotional places. If you haven't seen Nate Burleson's story, I implore you to check it out. If you haven't seen people like Shannon Sharp really share their story, I implore you to check it out. But I think it's so important right now for people that are white to stand up and share their stories because it's not just black people's problem. In fact, they're exhausted. And I think right now it's really up to a lot of us to do a lot of the work. Um, I think a lot of this is hitting me because, I mean, if you guys have been listening to the podcast lately, all I've talked about is using this isolation, using the fact that we're stuck in our homes to really figure out who you are. And, and in that time when something like this happens with George Floyd, Maude Aubrey, and Breonna Taylor, and countless others, it just kind of makes me in this time where I'm doing all this self-reflection and doing all this diving into myself, I can't ignore certain things. Because if I do, then I'm lying to myself. In my talk, the one thing that I wish I did do was be more accountable for my own actions. I went back and I, I thought about all the years of Sims and Lefko, and I'm going to be very honest. Every time that I referred to a black athlete as a beast, every time that I referred to as a black athlete as a freak, I'm hurting black people because all I'm doing is pushing these narratives. I will admit that, man, I've been at Bleach Report now for six years, six and a half. And I love this company, but I will admit as this company has grown very rapidly, especially as of late, because I've been working a lot and that's not a great excuse. I put my face down, my head down, and I have been paying attention to a company that talks about bridging the gap between sports and culture. And what I know what they're saying is black culture. And I don't know if I've been as supportive as I should have been for black voices in this organization. And when I tell you that I am working with people right now at Bleacher Report, and I am, I am here not to, to take their message and make it my own, but to amplify it, I'm telling you I'm doing the work. I am in meetings. I am really, really, really putting in the time that I should have put in earlier. And for that, I'm sorry. And I think right now there's this combination for a lot of people between things we need to fix and pride. Because while I'm upset about a lot of my actions in the past, I also want you to know that I went back and watched a lot of segments that me and Sims did about Colin Kaepernick. 
I went back and watched about the times I would stand up for Odell Beckham and about how we have problems in this country dealing with strong, opinionated black athletes. And I'm proud of that. I really am. The Kaepernick thing, man, I can't tell you about the amount of time. I was texting Fendrick. I'm proud of it. Because the whole time, oh, they're looking at stats. And the whole time, we just fought for that, dude. And, and I wish we fought harder. But that mix of, of pride and the need to fix is something that I, I, I saw a lot this past week. And it, that dichotomy kept coming back up. Thursday night, I'm watching inside the NBA. And I see Adam Silver come up. And, and it made me realize, like, here is Ernie, a white man on a set with three African-American men who's been listening. That's his number one trait, listening for three decades. Here is Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA. And the first thing he said was, all I've been doing these last few days is listening to the stories from players and executives. And he came on the broadcast and he said, I'm not just going to acknowledge that it's a problem. I'm going to say that I want the NBA to be one of the leaders in fixing this worldwide. And I had a lot of pride in that. And the fact that I'm getting to do the Tuesday show and I'm going to be there with, with Wade and Shaq and Candace and I can be a voice during this, I take a lot of pride in that. And then there's the other league, the NFL, where it took two rogue NFL employees and its youngest black stars to put a video together without the help of the league to finally get Roger Goodell to come on camera and not just say, here's a donation. And at first I was angered, but now I'm telling you, it is so much pride. I am so proud. I am proud of Pat Mahomes. I am proud of Mike Thomas. I am proud of Alvin Kamara. I'm proud that one of the two employees that went, this is going to be a long episode. I am proud of one of the two employees that went rogue was Nick Tony, who worked at Bleacher Report. He would help out the podcast. And he felt the need to go and send that. And I'm proud that Roger Goodell finally said that, that Black Lives Matter. I'm proud that Roger Goodell says they will be an agent of change. I'm not even mad at Drew Brees because how many times have we seen somebody say an ignorant thing and because they haven't had a lot of accomplishments that we can break them down and say they're not important. Drew Brees is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Drew Brees is a top 10 quarterback of all time. Drew Brees is on a Super Bowl team this year. It's going up against Tom Brady in the first week of the season. And guess what? Now he has to be an agent of change. I am happy that Drew Brees said that. Because the thing is, is our eyes are on the ball. We are trying to make systemic and systematic change. And I'm happy that these big figureheads put their foot in their mouth and now they can't sit on the sideline. They have to be a part of this. Drew Brees can make change. Drew Brees is like truly a transcendent star in a league where there's not a lot of them. And now his voice will be used for good. The thing that scared me though was back to that fear is when the reaction came out to Drew Brees, I know that a lot of other 
probably well-known athlete said, I'm going to keep what I'm thinking to myself because if that's the reaction he's going to get, I don't want to slip up. And I know that this applies not just to athletes, but to you guys. And I, I want to have a real conversation because I, look, this last week, I have not had a lot of moments of joy. And I keep wondering why I kept getting worried about this podcast because I've met a lot of you and you mean a lot to me. And I know that a lot of you are younger and I kind of feel like an older brother. And like throughout all this, you've asked me a lot of questions in my DMs and like, I want to be an advocate so that you don't have fear. Okay. And I need to ask you, why are you not speaking up? Are you afraid of losing followers? As somebody that is starting to get a lot, I'm telling you, they don't matter. And if you're, if you're still good at what you do, you'll get better ones. Are you afraid that, are you afraid to stand up to your friends that say insensitive remarks or racial comments or even family members? Are, are you afraid? I am telling you not to be afraid. I am telling you do not let weak people drag you down because they are weak or they are incapable of changing. You've been around this for a long time and I know you got it in you. And if you can't stand up to your friend, how are you going to stand up to yourself? This is your life. You're the only one that looks in that mirror. I have a hard question. Are you afraid that you are not capable of being anti-racist? Do you not think that you have that strength and you need to be honest with yourself? Are you afraid that you will say something that will offend people, that it will be taken and that, that you will be realized that you are ignorant? I need you to understand that I am not above this. I've been having a lot of conversations with people and I am not forcing them because the last thing I need to do right now is force conversations with people of color. But listen, my dumb ass asked somebody about the transatlantic slave trade. And before they could answer, I said, I apologize. And I did the research on my own, but I had to ask the question out loud to realize that I was ignorant. You're not going to know your blind spots until you have enough strength to speak until you realize where you are ignorant, you won't know where you need to learn and do not get this wrong. There is no one statement that a company can make. There is not one action that you can do. This is a commitment to humankind. And this one is deep. Are you afraid that you need this system to succeed? Are you afraid that if we really looked at it, that the privilege and advantage that you are getting, and I'm speaking to white people right now, are you afraid that you need that privilege and advantage? That you need the oppression and systematic racism towards black people in order to achieve your dreams? If I can admit that privilege, white privilege, helped get me to where I am, 
then I know that you can do it too. Guys, you know my story. You know that I grinded. That I did two years of news reporting in Hastings, Nebraska, making nothing. I went to Louisville, Kentucky for three and a half years, started off doing news, went to sports, somehow got a break, and then went to Bleacher Report, got put in a room where I was doing 30 videos a day and nobody knew who I was. Did a podcast on my free time, built it up like, and I know that white privilege helped me. Because that journey was hard and how much harder would it have been if I was a person of color? If I can admit it, I need you to be able to admit it too. Because what we're trying to realize right now is that it is a system. And if you don't realize that your privilege, man, my life's still hard, man, it doesn't seem like it. Then see your privilege with the police. I learned it when I was 18 is when I really learned it. I had an internship in Atlantic City for ESPN radio. And there was another intern that was black. And he was driving me home one day. And he did a minor traffic violation where like someone's turning, he went around them. I didn't even know it was a violation. And we got pulled over. And I had never seen cops approach the car with guns pulled before. And they came over and they put him on the curb and they pulled me out and asked if I was okay. And I went home the rest of the day and I just cried. And it was the first time that I really, really realized and I had been in a situation where I was treated separate and not equal. I was treated above. Privilege with police is saying that there are bad apples. Privilege is saying, I know good cops. Privilege is saying, I got friends, they're cops, they're good people. And I'm telling you, man, I have known a lot of good cops in my life. And that's privilege. Man, I'm telling you, when I was a reporter in Louisville, Kentucky, I would get off the news and I would go to this bar that my friend Monsell managed. And I would go there like a the news went at 1130. I'd be there by 12. And I would go in the back. I'd make myself some nachos. And I'd go to this one part of the bar right next. And I, that way I can like drink with the employees or like if some of my friends were there, we could hang out and not kind of be in the whole bar. And there was always this one cop that was there. And he seemed like a good cop. He would dap me up. He bought me drinks one time. Like he, he kind of would keep our area and he, and I'm a local celebrity at that point. So he was excited to see me. And when people would ask, you know, what a good cop, I would be like, oh, he's a good cop. And I need you to know that I love Louisville. I love the 502. And so this past week, I'm signing the petition for Breonna Taylor to get her justice and not to forget that black women are treated awful in this country and need to get more respect. And I'm reading an Instagram post from a girl that said, I was looking up Breonna Taylor and then I saw the cop and I realized that was the one that also sexually abused me and said that if I did favors for him, that I, then I wouldn't get arrested. And I scrolled down. And you know who the cop was? It was the same cop that dapped me up. It was the same cop that bought me a shot. I had no idea, none, that while I was there, 
and before I got there and after. This man was planting drugs on black people as a narcotics officer. I had no idea that this man pulled a kid out of a car and beat him and then didn't take pictures and said that he forgot. I didn't know that this man was sexually abusing women. Because my privilege. When I tell you that the scariest thing is that when I looked at his commendation, the part of his report, all that is from his report, the commendation in which it said what he should be applauded for, it said that in his free time, he was training young police officers. Not only is he not a good apple, not only is he not a bad apple, he is part of the system. This man that went into Breonna Taylor's home, an award-winning EMT with her whole future ahead of her that just turned 27, in her bed, this man went in with two other officers and shot her and killed her. It is a system. And so I want to use my privilege real quick. Mayor Fisher of Louisville, Greg Fisher. You got to Louisville in 2010, so did I. I got there in May, you took over mayor in, in November. I met you, I shook your hand, I looked you in the eye and you were nervous when you first started because you were replacing Jerry Abramson, AKA mayor for life, was there for 23 years then went on to work in the Obama administration. You were nervous, now you've been there for a decade. And Mayor Fisher, I'm telling you, I am demanding that you arrest and you charge those three officers with the murder of Breonna Taylor. The officer that I knew, Brett Hankinson, John Mattingly, Miles Cosgrove, arrest those men and charge them with her murder. You need to fix the system I didn't want to get upset. I need you to ask your guys, yourselves right now, 33%. Who are you? What matters to you? What do you stand for? I said this with Brian Dawkins. We are what we repeatedly do. If you do nothing, you are nothing. If you do nothing, you are nothing. People act different when they're watched. I mean, God bless cell phones right now. The fact that we're able to catch people. But it's not just police officers. It's you. When there are no witnesses, we learn about ourselves. Right now, you could not donate. You could not post anything. You could not tell people that they're wrong. You can run and hide and no one is going to have any idea. None. Except you. You'll know. You're going to know. And there's nowhere to go.
I am asking you guys to do the work. Obstacle is the way. That's the country that we're in. Our obstacle right now is having a conversation and fixing a system that's been wrong for 401 years. From slavery to the Jim Crow South to mass incarceration to housing discrimination to the medical system, I, that is the, the country's obstacle. And the rule of obstacle is the way is if something stands in your way and you fix it, it will let you achieve things that you never even realized. And the longer we put this off, the worse it's going to get. If you see when they see us on Netflix and you don't feel the need for change, there's something wrong with you. If you're out there doing work right now, I applaud you and know that I am doing the work alongside of you. From this week and every week forward, every show I do, I'm going to have one segment in which I want to teach you guys something. We're still going to talk about ball. We're still going to talk about sports. We're still going to laugh. But this is not something that starts and ends. It's something that needs to continue. And for you guys to keep doing the work, I'm going to keep doing the work too. If you're telling me right now, I just got, I don't have enough time on my day. I need 15 minutes. I need 15 minutes of education. I need 15 minutes of action. Can you give me 15 minutes? Can you spend 15 minutes looking up how the healthcare in our country is they don't even make pills for black people. Why are black women dying at a much crazier rate, at a higher rate than white women when they give birth? Read, educate yourself for 15 minutes. Learn about mass incarceration and how it's impacted black communities. You can learn about possible candidates that are local and their policies. I don't care how you spend your 15 minutes, use it productive. And then I need 15 minutes of action. Can you write to your local politician? Can you call? Can you post? Can you donate? Educate in action. Give me 15 minutes. If you're telling me you're too busy, give me 15. Know that I'm doing more. Just give me 15. Because I want us to stand for something. I don't want this to be hollow. And how can I go and talk about Pat Mahomes and Jamal Adams and Michael Thomas and not care about them as humans? How can I have all these people that I work with and say that are my friends and that I love them and I care about them and not care about issues that impact all of us? I just want to leave you with some notes and a little bit of teaching because I'm seeing a lot of people being confused by like defunding the police and saying we need to get rid of police. And that's not what it is, but it's a question about our community. How is it that 3 million students are in schools that have cops and no nurses? How is it that there are 6 million students that are at schools that have cops and no psychiatrists? Why are we obsessed with policing instead of supporting and guiding. I live in New York. New York Police Department budget is $6 billion. That is more than the amount of money spent on the health of its people, helping the homeless, developing the youth, and developing jobs in a, in a time where we, there's been chronic job loss. It's 
That $6 billion is more than all of those other things combined. And I would ask you, where do you think that money would go best to? I am not going to preach without also doing the purpose. I promise you, I have honestly not been spending my time wisely at all. All I've been doing is reading. All I've been doing is watching. It's consuming my life. And if I was going to share why, when I have a child, they will be seen as black. And if I don't do my best right now to make the world a better place for them, I'm making the world a worse place for them. And if you support me and you support all the fun conversations we have and we rank quarterbacks and talk about Netflix, I need your help on this one. Because when I say that, I don't know why I love you guys so much. It feels like family. It feels like an opportunity for me to get some things out. And it would mean a lot to me. So I love you. And I need you to know that I have a lot of hope right now. I've never seen energy like this. I've never seen NFL players get together like this. I've never seen policies change. You see what's happening in Minneapolis, the, the marches in Philadelphia and LA. This is hope. This is strength. This is confidence. All that fear stuff, dead it. You ain't got time to fear. You got time to live. And be the best person that you can be. Live to your full capabilities. I promise you, I am asking the same thing out of myself. If you got questions, DM me. If you have fears, DM me. If you don't know how to talk to somebody, I'll try to help you. But I need y'all to spread the love. And Louisville, I love you so much. And Brianna Taylor, I know that a lot of talk right now is about George Floyd. I'm sickened and I'm disgusted and I hope we find justice for you guys, especially for you. Later this week, I'm going to have another podcast, probably going to be really heavy. This is a heavy time right now. Um, but as we get back, sports ain't going nowhere. I'm going to be back on national TV. <laughs> I can't believe it. Tuesday nights will be starting up soon enough, getting ready for the NBA playoffs and everything that's going down there in Orlando. I love you guys. Please do the work. I promise you I'll do the same. I'm the LEFKOE man. And I cry a lot, and I love you. I'll see you later.